That's good. That's good. It's always hard to break up the spirit of family. And, and you just want to be together. You want to be talking. You want to be sharing with each other. And that's always a great thing to be able to see and experience. I, I would be a little concerned if you guys had a meet and greet time and everybody just stayed in their seats and didn't talk to anybody. That would be, that would probably be bad. Um, a couple of things I just wanted to say after the beginning of the service, you know, A lot of times when we go through transitions, when we go through stages, when we go through things, it's important for us to focus on the good things that are going on. It's important for us to focus on the, the positives. You know, and, and it's the same way with uh, the Great Commission Baptist, with the, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention. Right? There's a lot of bad news out there about things that are going on at a national level, things that people have done, questioning different things, but... It's important for us to even focus on the important things, the great things that our convention does, why we cooperate together. And one of those is the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. I mean, what a great offering. And I just wanted to say, in case you don't know this, and I'm sure you do if you've heard it over the years, right? The Annie Armstrong offering is 100% stays in the United States. Every bit of money that is raised stays right here and is given out to ministries like the one you saw, but it also comes back to our state conventions. And so as Colorado Baptists, we have a, a, a fund that the Annie Armstrong money goes to, and then we give out grants up to $2,500 a year to churches across the state if they apply. The problem is a lot of churches don't know about that, and so we have this money that just sits, that never gets used because it has to be used for evangelism grants throughout the state. And so I would encourage you, if you have something coming up, like an Awana program, you can request up to $2,500 through the state to help fund that program. And that takes a little bit of pressure off our churches, and that's what we want to, like I say, there are years where we don't give out half of the money that we have sitting in an account. Because churches just don't apply, they don't know about the grant. So I would say, go onto the Colorado Baptist website, we give out two separate grants, one's called a, is the, the Nicey Murphy, it's a Colorado Missions Grant, and so in September you collect what was the Nicey Murphy offering, which Nicey Murphy was someone who was instrumental in bringing the Baptist church to the state of Colorado. And so we collect an offering, and that money also stays in the state and is given out to our churches. And the Nicey Murphy offering grant, the CMO grant, you can request up to $3,000 per year per church. And so go on and look at those two grants because we want to be able to bless our churches in that way. The second thing I want to share is God reminded me as I sat here, and I apologize if I get a little bit teary. Awana is such an important program. Tracy and I worked in Awana for many years in the state of Washington and Oregon. I was a Cubby leader and a Sparks leader and TNT and Trek. And one year they chose me to be the director of Awana for one year. It's as long as it lasted. And they didn't ask me to come back the second year. They were like, yeah, let's send you back to Cubbies. Because that's probably better. But I don't remember, Isaac, you might know, what's the, what's the total amount of verses that somebody says if they go through all Awana programs? Do you remember? Yeah, it is huge. It is a big number. And 
I don't know if they still do this. Do they still give out scholarships? So, so students can get college scholarships for completing Awana programs? I mean, it's such a great thing. But as, as Dave already said, it's not just the students, it's the adults. Because as I sat here today, God reminded me that it was after an Awana lock-in where we were making that last push to, mem- to get finished with that book at the end of the year with a group of youth. It was after that that God called me to, to minister, to go to seminary. It was actually that day. I dropped off a group of youth. I think I mentioned this last week. I dropped off a group of youth, and on the drive home, God said, let's go. And so Awana makes such a difference in everybody. And we want to, as a church, right, we can see that maybe there's a lot of negative things being, being on our hearts. But the positive things, the way that God is using programs like Awana and different things that this church is doing to continue to take the gospel to the nations, we want to celebrate. And so I think it's great you guys were able to celebrate that today. And I would encourage you, you have 30 volunteers right now. I would say you could probably have more. So if you're not volunteering for Awana, now go volunteer. Because they need all the help they can get. I think whatever, somebody said 37 kids in that room upstairs. I've been in that room. I wouldn't want to be in there with that many kids for sure. So maybe you can volunteer and help those guys out. We're going to be in the book of Acts today. So if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of of Acts chapter 1. Last week I shared with you the purpose of the church, the great commission, as followers of Christ, the reason that we're here to go and make disciples, baptize, to teach them everything that Jesus commanded. And I want to pick up from there this week. In the book of Acts, after Jesus gave the disciples this directive, this great commission, we move into Acts chapter 1. And and in this first little couple of verses in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 4. You know, we kind of have this introduction and and we have, you know, Jesus' kind of directive. He'd spent 40 days with the disciples. He taught them everything that he wanted them to know, those things, those secrets of the kingdom, the things to take out into the world with them to go teach the the churches that would be planted, to, to write in the books that they wrote in all of these things. And then we come to verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says this, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked, Lord, are are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you this morning... I ask God that you would speak. Take any words, Lord, that would come out of my mouth and make them yours. That every heart that hears my voice would hear your message, God. For their life, for this church, for where they are, for their situation, for what they're struggling with and dealing with, speak to them. Through this, God. Open up your word in a new way to us today. Let your spirit fill our hearts in this place, Lord, as we join you here. We're praying in your name, Jesus. Amen. I really, I I, I love this passage. Because Jesus has just spent 40 days with the disciples, and I, I, I try to imagine every once in a while what that was like. I mean, we get to read the scripture and, and, and try to figure out some of the things that Jesus has said. We, 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 we ask for the Spirit to, to kind of fill us and explain it to us and talk to us. But, but imagine spending 40 days with just Jesus. And him opening up the mysteries of the kingdom to you. Everything that you needed to know. Him opening up to you so that you could then go and tell other people what was going to happen, what needed to happen, what they needed to do to become followers of Christ. He taught them the secrets that they couldn't handle before. Things that he had to go pass by before because they weren't ready in their hearts to listen to what he had to say. He's pouring out to them. He's telling them all of these things. And and, and I know how many of you have been to a conference. Some sort of some sort of women's conference, men's conference, a marriage conference, or or you've been on a, a weekend where you were part of maybe sort of revival or something like that and you come back excited you come back on fire for the lord right you want to come back and you just want to take off running to do what you feel like god told you to do in that moment now imagine the disciples here jesus the savior of the world has just spent 40 days in conference with them and they're excited. I imagine that they are, they are ready to be on fire. They are ready to hit the ground running. They are ready to go and do exactly what Jesus says to them. Exactly what he says. Go do this. This is what I want you to do. You're going to be my witnesses in all of these places. And they go, yeah, we're ready to do this. And then he says, wait. He says to them, no, wait a minute, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. The Bible says that they were a Sabbath day's walk from Jerusalem, which was right on a Sabbath, they could only walk so far. 
They could only spend so many times on the Sabbath day walking, so much time. And so whatever that distance was, that's how far out of Jerusalem they were. So they had to go back to Jerusalem. He says, wait a minute, I don't want you to go to all these other places yet. I want you to wait. I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait. Jerusalem is where they just saw Jesus crucified. Jerusalem is where Peter has just denied Jesus Jerusalem is where they began to throw those who were part of the way, that they, like they, as, as they called it. They, they started to throw them in prison. They started to, to gather up people to arrest them or, or maybe even kill them. They, he, Jesus is sending his disciples back into the place they don't want to be. He says, you just saw all this bad stuff. I'm just going to teach you all of this. I'm going to get you fired up and excited. Now I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there. I want you to go to the one place you don't want to go to and I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Wait. And I have to imagine that the disciples struggled with this a little bit. Why do I want to wait here? I know what you told me to do. Why do we want to wait? But sometimes in life, and I would say this about our own lives, Jesus tells us what he wants us to do, and then he says, wait. But wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to guide you. Wait for the Spirit to come and show you the next step. Don't get ahead of me. We may know exactly where God wants us to go. We may be very clear in our own hearts about what God wants us to do, and then we wait. And we get frustrated because we want to just get it done. We want to just go as fast as we can and get it done and move on to the next thing. We want to be prepared for what's coming, and so we don't really want to wait, but God tells us, wait. Because the reality is, even if we know what God is telling us to do, if we get ahead of the Holy Spirit, it's not going to turn out well for us. I shared with you last week a few times where God had um, called us to pack up our life and move. And, And one of those times was when he called us to Colorado, back to Colorado in 2010. Well, what led to that for us was... In 2009, my father passed away. And when we came to the funeral, what we realized was we had been gone for, for nearly 10 years. And our kids, who, who were now 8 and 10 or 9 and 7, somewhere around there, they didn't know any of their grandparents who all lived in Grand Junction. And so Tracy and I began to discuss, is it time for us to go home? Is it time for us to go back to Colorado so our kids can know their grandparents, so they can be close to family? And, and, but we wanted to do what God had in store for us. We wanted to be obedient. And so our prayer became, God, what, what do you want us to do? What do you desire of us? If it's to stay here, then, then we will stay here. If you want us to go, then we will go. I took a, and, and, and in the midst of praying about this, we, we took our youth group to a, to a, a Dare to Share conference. It's a big youth conference that goes on um, in the United States. And we're in Seattle, Washington. And, and during the opening worship set, 
I was just praying, God, what do you want from us? Where do you want us to go? And this band was playing a song called Go. Go figure. And in the moment, we're, I'm, I'm, we're singing this song and I'm praying, God, we want to do what you want us to do. And it's, it's one of only, probably the only time, I'll say one of two, but it's probably the only time where God was so clear and it was so overwhelming that I could not stay on my feet. And he said, you're going to Colorado. That was in March of 2010. We began to pray about and discuss what it meant to go back to Colorado. And we came up with our own decisions, our own ideas, our own thoughts that God struck down. And when Nucla called me to come and preach in view of a call, and we met with their search team, and, and we saw the church, and we met all of the church members we drove away from, from Nucla First Baptist Church, and by the time we got outside of the Nucla city limits, which is about one minute, Tracy and I said to each other, this is where God's sending us. This is where God's sending us. And we were excited. Some of it was ego and some of it was arrogance because I knew as a big city youth pastor I could come fix this small town church. But a lot of it was God saying, this is it. And we went back to Oregon knowing that this is where God was going to send us. And then we waited. For six weeks. As the church made a decision whether to call us or not. And as week after week went by, we said to each other, how come they don't know yet? How can they still be trying to figure this out? We've known for weeks. And so we waited. We waited for, for six weeks as, as Nucla needed the Spirit to guide them to the right decision. And so we waited. We waited for God to lead everybody that was involved to this place. And so as we think about the things that are going on in our life, as we think about the things that are going on in our churches, as we even think about what the disciples were going through at this moment, sometimes we have to wait on the Holy Spirit to lead us to the right thing. Even though we're ex excited about a new ministry opportunity, even though we are done with the, the drama or the struggle of our past, even though we know, God, I know you want us to take this step, we have to wait for the Spirit to lead. Maybe right now, God is saying to you, wait. Wait, because... We're not ready yet for this to take place. Wait, because it's not time yet for you to start this ministry. Wait, because it's not, it, I'm not ready yet. I haven't set the table or the stage yet for this next step. So we wait. 
and maybe even for the church that God has, has put right here in Bayfield, it's time to take a little bit of time and wait for the Spirit to prepare your hearts for the next step. Here's the thing about waiting for the Spirit. To wait means that it is worth the waiting. To wait means that you have a promise that it's going to come. To wait means that you must receive it. You can't create it yourselves. Because you're waiting for God to do it. To wait means that you'll be, treated, you'll be tested by the waiting at least a little bit. But know this, if you wait on the Spirit, it will be obvious and you will not be disappointed by what comes. So we wait. In this section of the scripture, the disciples are excited about what is happening. And they still don't really get what Jesus is doing. Even with all the teaching that he's done, even with all the commands, even with everything that he has revealed to them, they still don't get it entirely. Because they ask the question, are you restoring your kingdom now? Is this the time? Are you, are you restoring your kingdom to its glory? Sometimes when I read the scripture from this side of it, I think that they're a little slow in what they understand and, and, and what they're being told. But then I look at my own life and realize that I'm just as slow as they always were. But the disciples here, man, they heard what Jesus said, but they don't really understand yet what he's going to do. And so they still think that they're waiting for this earthly kingdom to come, that he's still going to overthrow the government, that he's still going to do this conquering hero thing and ride in on the horse and take out all of their enemies. They want to rush out so desperately and see Israel restored to its former glory. And I think Jesus' response here is important for us today. Because Jesus says, you don't need to know when that's going to take place. You don't need to know when God's going to do what he promises to do. You just need to go be on mission for me. And I think as Christians, as followers of Christ in 2023, we could take a lot of things from that response from Jesus. Because we don't need to know when God is going to do what he does. One of the biggest things that we struggle with today is the end times. And there are a lot of folks who focus on when Jesus is coming back. By the signs, by the weather, by the... The, the political environment of our world, a lot of people spend a lot of their day trying to figure it out. And I think we need to take Jesus' words more seriously. It's not for us to know. We don't need to know when Jesus is coming again. We don't need to know when his kingdom will be restored. We don't need to know when, he's, when the, everything lines up and, and he's going to ride in on that horse. We need to be on mission for Christ. 
where we are. And not worry so much about what Jesus is going to do. Focus on the mission. We want to spend so much time worried about if we're in the end that we forget to share the gospel with people. We forget to tell them about the one who can save them. Jesus says, when the, when the Spirit comes on us, go and be witnesses to, for, for him. It doesn't matter when the end comes. Just go be my witnesses in all of these places that Jesus laid out. And if you think about the disciples, they took the, the gospel to all of those places. And so I wonder today, what is Jesus saying? Where is he telling you to go be a witness? Where is he telling you, go to this people group and share the gospel. Go to this community and share the gospel. Go to this family and share the gospel. But we're too busy, worried about, is Jesus coming again to go do what he's telling us to do? Jesus tells the disciples, don't worry about what God's going to do. You, go be my witnesses in these places, but before you do that, wait. Go back to Jerusalem and wait on the Holy Spirit. And right after he says that, the, God, the, the, the scripture says he was taken up into heaven. He was hidden by a cloud. And the disciples are standing there watching. And they are staring intently into the heavens, it says, as Jesus disappears. As he ascends. And they're stuck. They're staring intently into the heavens. Maybe they're, they don't know what to do next. Maybe they're like, where, where, is he, where did he go? Is he going to show up over there? Is he going to show up? Do we watch the cloud? Like maybe they're just not sure what to do. But it says they're standing there. They're intently staring up into the sky. And I wonder how long they would have just stood there. Had the angels not appeared to them. How long would they have stood waiting for Jesus if the, the, the angels hadn't appeared and said, hey, stop watching for him to come back. He's going to come again and he'll come the same way, but you need to go do what he told you to do. You need to go. Stop standing here and looking up into the sky waiting for Jesus to come back. Go back to Jerusalem like he said and wait for the Holy Spirit. Again, great direction for us today as followers of Christ. Stop standing and watching for Jesus to come. Stop standing and, and staring into the sky as believers going, okay, this is the day. Man, this is the day. I'm just going to watch for Jesus. Because that just makes us stagnant. Jesus didn't lay out his plan for the next 3,000 years to us. Except for go and make disciples. And we don't want to just stand around waiting. We want to go and make disciples. For a long time, Christians were saved and then the thought was, for many of them, well, I'm saved, and that's all that matters. So I'm going to seclude myself, and I'm going to try not to do anything wrong, because I've already been saved. But they didn't follow the mandate to keep going out and making disciples. 
And we want to change that. We want to be different today. We want to go and not stand and watch for Jesus to come again, but go and be on mission for him. As I follow Jesus in my own life, I don't need to know the whole plan. I only need to know the next step to take. What's the next thing that I'm going to do? Jesus, what is the next step for me? And then I'll wait for you to give me the next one. When the Spirit leads, then we become Jesus' witnesses to the world. We become Jesus' witnesses to our world, to our family, to our community, to our friends. But first, we wait. First, we wait. But here's the thing waiting does not mean being idle, waiting does not mean that we sit and do nothing. You may be waiting for the Spirit to give you direction. You may be waiting for the Spirit to empower you for the next step in life. That does not mean that you sit idly by and do nothing because there is still work to be done right here where you are. When God called us to Colorado, as I said, we, we knew right away and then we waited. And what we didn't do is, and we could have, because I do things um, in my own time and speed, and a lot of times I jump in before I should. <clears throat> and what we could have done is gone back to Oregon and said, okay, we're going to quit our jobs. I'll resign my position as a youth pastor. We'll start loading up a U-Haul. We'll get back to Colorado. And, and we'll be ready for when the church calls us. But that's not what God led us to do. We went back to Oregon. God said, wait. And we waited. I kept working with the youth. We kept doing everything that we were supposed to be doing in the church. We kept ministering and witnessing to people around us. We waited, but we weren't idle. We kept working for the Lord where he had us in the moment until the time came that the Spirit led us to the next stage in, in our life. So the disciples go back to Jerusalem scared of what may happen to them, but they continue to do the work. And as you read on in Acts chapter 1, if you were to go into verses 12 and on, you see Peter gives this great message to the people about this. everything that's happened is exactly what has had to happen so that all of the things that could happen in the future could happen. They were all prophesied. They were all part of the plan. And in that he says, so we need to call another disciple. So that we can continue the work of feeding the widows and doing all of these things that we're supposed to be doing while we wait. So the disciples ask the Spirit to lead them to the right man after casting lots, then they choose Matthias. And so they went back to Jerusalem to wait on the Spirit, but that did not stop them from working. It did not stop them from ministering. It did not stop them from doing the work that needed to be done. They were not idle as they waited Are you? See, this is a serious question for all of us. Are we being idle? Because we don't know what the next thing is. Because we don't know where to go from where we are. Because we don't know what the next step may be. Are we 
being idle or are we continuing to do the work that needs to be done? Like volunteering in Awana. Like being a part of the house church, leading a house church. Leading out in a prayer time. Are we doing the work that needs to be done while we wait for the Spirit to lead us? When I took this position as regional director, again, Tracy and I knew God was calling us to this. Um, and I told our, the church, God is moving us away. He, he's taking us from here to another, another ministry. And, and I, at the time, it was May, and I said, I don't, know, I don't know when I'll be gone, but it'll probably be, uh, we'll, we'll be gone by the 1st of July. Because that was kind of the plan. I would start July 1st after we had all of our meetings and all these things. That was in May. And about halfway through May, God said, yeah, July is not going to work for you. Because I began and I, I knew I was moving on. And in this instance, I did not follow the direction here. I began to be a little bit idle. Because I didn't want to do anything in the church that was going to hurt them for the future. I didn't want to start anything new that I couldn't complete. I had just started a sermon series that was probably going to take three months to preach through. I had done the first verse of it. And I had to stop because I wasn't going to finish it. And so I felt myself becoming a little bit idle in everything that I was doing. And the Spirit said, yeah, you need to be done. You need to stop. And so I, I came in one day on a Sunday morning and said, okay, we're, we're going to be gone June 1st. May, whatever the last week in May was, would be my last Sunday there, which shocked a lot of people. But it was what the Spirit led us to do because I was becoming, as a human, a little bit idle. And so I would just encourage you today in this. There's still a mission and even though this church may be in that waiting moment, even though you personally may be in this waiting moment where, where you don't know for sure what's coming or you do know and, and, and you're just waiting for the Spirit to lead, there are still things to be done. There are still things that you can be doing to help this church, to help, uh, to help build for the next pastor that would come, to help with the programs, the processes that are taking place. Because we should not be idle as we wait for the Holy Spirit. And I would also say you, you should step up with the gifting that God has given you to help in any way that you can. I know last week that was mentioned by a couple of people. How can we help? That's great. That's what you want. Don't put all of the pressure on just a handful of people. Right? Even the disciples said, hey, we can't do this. We need that, extra, we need that one more person to fulfill this. And so maybe this church right now needs you to step up to something that isn't being done because you're gifted in that. Take a look at that and say, hey, what can I do as we wait? You may not have a pastor right now, but you have a church. You have a family that needs each and every one of you. So what can you do as you wait for the Holy Spirit to lead to help yourselves and to help this church not be idle. Can you do announcements? Can you lead worship? How are you gifted to make an impact?
When we become idle, we begin to wander from God. We begin to do the things that we're not supposed to do. And then we fall out of, out of communion. We stop serving, we stop worshiping, we stop everything when we become idle. And so wait on the Spirit to come, but don't be idle. The disciples in this instance did everything correct for the most part. They obeyed what Jesus said to go back to Jerusalem. They waited, they weren't idle. They kept doing the work that they could do right there. They were in unity and fellowship together. They were in prayer together. They were in the, in the scripture together. They were teaching. They wanted God's will to be done above everything else, and so they became focused on that. The disciples did what they could. And that's what we want to do today. Maybe we can't do everything right now that God is telling us to do, but what can we do? What can we do to further the impact? What can we do to help Christ's church? Obey the Lord as his church. As his church, be in unity together. And don't give up on the fellowship as his church, be in prayer together. Not just praying individually, but praying together, coming together in a corporate prayer. As the church, be in the scripture together. Again, not individually, but as a family. Be in the word together. As Christ's church, desire God's will for the next step. For the next season. And wait on the Holy Spirit. We only get this, and we can only come to this through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We can only come to this if we repent of our sins and turn our lives over to the Lord. Jesus has a plan and a purpose. For you and for this church. And right now he's telling you wait. Just wait a minute. While I set things in place. As we wait. It gives us an opportunity. To reflect. It gives us an opportunity to search our own hearts and to see if there is somewhere where we have stepped out of line with God. So that we can be restored to full community communion with God. As you wait... It gives you the opportunity to lay it all at his feet. To lay it all before the Savior. 
and say, I don't want it, it's yours. That starts with our life. Jesus died on the cross so that we could have an eternity with him. He took our punishment so that we could be saved. The Bible says that there is only one way to be saved by calling on the name of Jesus, and that's where we start. Are we broken enough as a person sitting in this room today that we've said, I've done everything in my own power. Lord, I need you. Save me. Heal me. Are we ready at this moment to give our lives to the Lord? To be saved to an eternity with Him? Are we ready maybe at this moment to follow Him in baptism because we've never done that? You don't have to wait to have a pastor to baptize somebody. If that's what you're waiting on, you're waiting for the wrong thing. Or maybe today God is saying, I want you to wait because there's some people who need to repent. And until repentance takes place, we're not moving to the next season. And so search your hearts and and ask, is there something that I've done? That's not something that any of us want to do. But is there something that I've done that's holding up the prize? Is there something that I've done that's keeping us from moving forward because God is waiting on me to repent? Me to confess. Me to be restored into the fellowship so that we can move forward. Maybe it's multiple people. Maybe it's... What is God saying to you? Jesus gave us a mission. He put us on the road to complete it. Now he's asked us to wait because some things need to happen. Today I want to give you just a moment. An opportunity to seek out the Lord and ask, what do I need to do? God, what do I need to do? Where do I need to change? What do I need to give to you? Where do I need to repent? Speak to me. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you in this moment, we don't want to be idle. You have given us a mission. And as we wait, God, for you to to show us the next step, restore us. Show us where we need to change our own lives. Show your church where it needs to change. Speak to our hearts, Lord. May 
Maybe we have never believed in your name. Maybe, Lord, there's somebody sitting in this room today who needs to take that step. Say, I believe. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. And maybe today is the day of salvation for them. And you're drawing them to that. Lord, give them the strength to make that decision, to to say that. To be forgiven, to be renewed, to be new again. Maybe somebody sitting in this room, Lord, today has been dealing with a sin that they just can't get over and, and they need to put it at your feet. They haven't come to you yet, but they need to repent. They need to turn away from that sin and to you again because it has drawn them away from who you are. Maybe, Lord, there's somebody sitting here who needs to follow you in baptism because they want to serve you, but they can't take that step yet because they haven't followed you in baptism them to that decision today, Lord. Whatever it is, today is the day. Today is a new day. We come before you. So we're here in this room. I'm just going to ask Dave to play. Lightly, just some uh, whatever he desires. And I just ask you, as you sit here today, cry out to the Lord. Cry out for healing. Cry out for forgiveness. Cry out for a new life. Cry out for whatever the Spirit is leading you to today. If you want to come before up here and kneel and pray, if you want to, maybe God is leading you to pray with somebody else that's sitting in this room today and you need to go to them, then I would encourage you to do that. But take this moment to respond to what God is saying to you. As we take this new step.